0: Good afternoon, hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. This is Golf Monthly's, uh, it's usually weekly look at the various different events in the world of golf, but we have a slightly new and different uh, view on the world of golf in today's podcast. I'm gonna stop um, gesticulating so aggressively because it's making the camera shake. Um, We are going to be looking at uh, the new issue of Golf Monthly. Now I know it's showing backwards, which isn't ideal um, because you're on, I flipped the camera, but uh, this is on the shelves uh, as we speak. Uh, and it's a redesign issue, lots of new ideas, lots of new franchises. What we're gonna do is pick a couple of features out each to talk about, and hopefully that will spark up some conversation. So, uh, firstly, hello, if you're watching, hello. Hi, Greg. Hello, Greg. See you again. Uh, Feel free to post in any comments, any questions you might have about anything golf related. We will try and answer as many as we possibly can. But we're gonna start by looking at some of the things uh, that we've enjoyed reading, enjoyed putting together in the magazine. So, gentlemen. Uh, we've all got two each. Who yep. wants to kickstart? Nick.
1: Okay. I will start <clears throat> with the new single page debate. If I can. Bear find with it. him. Should Bookmark it? I did bookmark it. There you go. And the topic of conversation this month is: should the Saturday medal be drawn? And we have two of our long-standing contributors, Jeremy Elwood and Fergus, Bizet. One of them takes yes, one of them takes no. In this case, Jeremy Elwood says yes, it should be, and Fergus Bissett says no. What do you guys think about that? The, the crux of the argument for Jeremy Elwood would be that, that getting new members fully integrated is critical for your club's long-term future, whereas Fergus Bissett argues that you may be drawn with an octogenarian with two hearing aids and strong political views. <laughs> now, are you the kind of person who starts looking forward to the medal? want or to or... lean
0: over a bit? You're half your
1: head? is. That, I mean, I presume the whole of your head was out of shot, frankly, but... So, put any comments in here.
0: The Phoenix should stand in the shot or out of the shot quickly. It's too big. Yeah,
2: yeah. so go on. Yeah, I mean, I just think that that sort of, um, for me, I definitely think the medal should be drawn. I enjoy playing with different people. Um, There are plenty of other competitions. I'm not saying draw every single competition, but I think the medal uh, is a good chance to meet new people. Once a month, typically, um, and you know what, it's, you know you can play with your mates any of the other um, times you tee it up. But I think for the medal, make it you know make, make it so drawn. Yeah, you know it gets you to meet new people. So if you're new to a club, it gets you to meet people, um, you know other golfers. So yeah,
0: we've both seen the same comment there. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say hello to Greg, Richard Nelson, Christian, uh, Sean. Uh, Christian saying Tiger Dunn Richard Nelson are the M2 2017 a lot better than the past year's M2s uh, we might come mm-hmm. to answer that in a bit yeah. um, Andrew says Nigel has a massive head correct. thanks Andrew, uh, Andrew that's, that's very right. insightful you are correct My house um, mates.
2: so interesting comment from Richard Nelson there uh, about the medal and he, you'd hope that it wasn't widespread but he says it stops the same groups reporting dodgy scores now mm. of course you know if the same three or four ball play together um, you have to rely on the integrity of those four players um, to post a correct score um, and I think you yeah, know from time to time you do hear about you know sort of little cliques um, you know whether it's yeah. a, Is that a problem
1: you've encountered Richard?
0: Are you okay I thought you were waiting for them to respond, <laughs> respond instantly. Uh, anyway yeah, so there's a really it's a, an interesting piece um that both of them make a good point, I think I'd probably be in the yes camp as well, but um I'm going to go next for the next feature and that's this piece again sorry that it's backwards but this is what makes a great golfing partnership or golfing duo so are you part of a golfing partnership are you somebody that plays four balls and foursomes with uh, a friend Um, what is it that makes golfers gel as a combination now what we did was we found uh, three very successful amateur pairings uh, people that you know have just done good stuff at club level and a couple of the guys in there at county level and just tried to get Their story and some of the secrets that they have to, uh, you know, gelling, what makes it So are you, again, are you part of a a good partnership? And if so, what's made it a good partnership? Gentlemen,
1: Mm. what would you like to... My ideal partner would be someone who can take a joke after a bad shot because I'm very much someone who likes to keep that light-hearted feel going throughout the round. I don't want someone getting angry at me or giving me the cold shoulder if I missed a four-footer. Not that I would miss a four-footer. No, you, you wouldn't, know. actually. If I shank an iron shot, it might be more appropriate here. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> Tappers, I know you're very much in the other camp here. So, who do you look for? But what? I, like I don't, to think, I'd like to, I don't <laughs> think I'd like to be... I don't think I'd like to be partnered with you in a serious competition. No, I... I no, well, too much stress on me. I feel like I was letting you down too often. <laughs>
0: um... Yeah, I mean, do, do you think long hitters should play with? Do you think a longer hitter is suited to play with a shorter hitter? Do you think somebody who's steady should play with somebody who's a bit of a yeah. birdie maker? Yeah, um, it's those sorts of questions that we're trying to answer. In uh, this and piece. I,
2: it's got to go way beyond golfing ability as well. It's got to be about that team dynamic, the ability to know when to say something and when not to say something. If I tell you that in the foursomes uh, competition at my home club, um, my partner and I. When we stood in the first team and worked out who was taking odds, who was taking evens, we picked on which holes um, were more suited to his very destructive snap hook, where we thought we could get away with that. And that, that influenced our, um, our sort of decision making. We did very well to take it away to the 18th.
0: Matt say. said, as long as you know your partner's strengths and weaknesses, you will yeah. be okay. It's a, no, it, fair and fair that's fair. why it's important to sort of understand, know your partner a bit. Um, Jack to give us a smile, Nigel. I don't even know Jack.
1: Hi, Jack. How are you?
0: Um, uh, Paul, myself and my partner aren't very successful. Alcohol tends to play its mm-hmm. part in that, uh, but we do have lots of fun. Uh, yeah. Richard saying steady and a gambler are a great Yeah, I, will... I think you
1: need that flair factor. I think you need that person who's capable of taking on the difficult shoulder key moment and pulling it off. But you do get great partnerships in two players who are virtually the same.
0: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's just horses for courses yeah. and a different... Um, pairings kind of gelling together. I would pick someone who's a great putter above all else, probably. Well. Yes,
2: uh, yeah, that'll hide a multitude of sins, yeah. won't it? You, know, you can chunk I, it all way up the fairway, yeah. just hole a ten footer, bunch it fine. onto the green, and hold it from. And not you know.
1: only that, that approach will also infuriate the people you're playing as well. So it's a double whammy there. It's a place where I get left on the bench. <laughs> uh, okay, Mike. What, what okay, are you so
2: gonna pick? I'm gonna pick. Um, the whole of our new review section. So we know that golf equipment's really important to our audience. Uh, there's so much new gear out there at the moment, it's very expensive. So I think our audience want to help or want us to help them cut through some of the marketing spiel, cut through some of the performance claims and test products. So one of the things that we've tried to do um, in the new look gear going say, give you another backwards um, page, is we've really shown how we're testing the products. Uh, we use uh, Foresight Sports GC2 to generate some data there, and we've done a really interesting head-to-head test with um, Ping... Um, I-20? I-200? I-200, sorry, two sorry,
0: hundred I-200, I-200 versus the, the MP, MP Mizuno.
2: Mizuno JPX-900, two or two great, um, Iron models there They're out at the moment the Just probably, cover up the
0: final result You're to have to yeah, buy You're actually buy going money. to have To part with some money And buy But, but I think The
2: key thing there Is Joel Our technical editor um, You know He hits golf clubs For a living That's what we pay him to do It's not a real job I always say to him But we do <laughs> Ridiculously pay him money To go out there And he You know Tests everything That's on the market uh, These two irons Have particularly caught His, um, his eye As sort of I guess what you'd call a better player iron shallow cavity and he's gone through and he looked at everything from the feel and sound the forgiveness ball flight over overall appeal the looks of the clubs as well and then has also say tested everything on gc2 to get
0: you know some of the key numbers there carry launch peak height, spin ball speed what golf clubs would you like us to test yes. and compare mm. so we're going to be doing this feature in every issue going forward so looking at Uh, two of the key models that are currently on the market and putting
1: them head-to-head against each other. What would you like to see us test against each other? Tell us what you'd like to see. There's also a lot of new elements on these pages, a lot more data as well than before to give you guys a real clue as to how these clubs are performing and and to prove again that they have actually been hit by Joel, who tests every piece of equipment in the magazine. One
0: one thing I would say about that particular category of golf club, the sort of I-200, I think you'd describe it as the muscle back, you know, the people who, yep. who want a traditional looking iron but also want an element of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed over the last few years is how forgiving uh. golf clubs like that now are. Yep. So all of the manufacturers across the board, from TaylorMade yep. to Mizuno, all of them, they've managed to pack in an awful lot more forgiveness, forgiveness yep. into really traditional looking irons than you might have seen even five years, even three or four years ago. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be surprised that's what i'm saying i'm not saying you need to go out and buy a set that's down to you yeah. what i would say is they're all much more forgiving these and i
2: think that's right across you know the board all golf clubs where the manufacturers can make improvements these days you know they are limited by the rules of golf in terms of uh trampoline like effects of face head size shaft length um, so getting distance gains is difficult but improvements in levels of forgiveness that's where They've been able to work really hard, on that. whether that's drivers, um, metal woods uh, or, or irons, they're a lot more forgiving, which is very good news for all of Anything us.
1: Anything you want to add? I, I will like to talk about this hot topic. Uh, it's, it's a new thing we're doing now is each issue we are going to be discussing, a hot, giving some analysis on a hot topic. So this is the topic is selected very, very late in this production cycle, so it's relevant when it comes out. And this month we've gone with, are we in... A golden era for English golf. Now, I would say that we are. Others would contend that we're not. But when you look at the the world rankings, I think we have 12 players within the top 65. Mm -hmm. And I would ask you guys, I asked this question on the Facebook Live on Monday, out of Chris Wood, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Andy Sullivan, Danny Willett and Tillhan, who will be highest ranked in the world at the end of 2018, not 2017, 2018? Matt Fitzpatrick. Helpers. Danny Willett. Danny Willett. Interesting. See, I would. I think cool. I bet on all of those and more besides at the Masters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but do you? Th- w- why? Why would you say Fitzpatrick? Because you're both very quick to say that, and a lot of people say Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. No, that. Not that a lot, lot of people are quick to say Matthew yeah.
0: Fitzpatrick. Jane uh, saying Tommy Fleetwood. He's now 29. has had an
2: incredible run pretty much ever since uh, he finished his um, year as Golf Monthly Playing Editor. His uh, performances have moved on to a, to a new level. But he but is
1: so good at driving, and I think that's a real key in today's <clears throat> this golfing, professional golfing landscape. And he hits an absurd amount of greens in regulation. I think there was a tournament recently where he hit 90% of greens in regulation. Crikey. Shot 63 in the final round the Stat other day. Stat attack. He's finished top 10 in. Sixth yeah. tournament since November.
2: And I think I remember when we did some instruction pieces with him, he was always saying that his weakness was short game. I think obviously he's in a good run of form, you know, chipping, putting, and that's then converting all those chances mm. that, he, that he sets up. But he's I, I, to, I, just, I just like Fitzpatrick. That I think he's a very, very steady performer. Ma- I don't think you're going to get those peaks and troughs with him. Matt
0: Holbrook has said Thomas Peters. He's Belgian. So I don't think he qualifies as part of the uh, new golden age for English gold. Ah, no, but would like, you say is...
2: Thomas Peters would be ranked above those um, six guys at the end of next year?
0: I would say
1: that. Yeah, you're a big Thomas Peters fan. I like um, Thomas well, Peters. So as Tapper says, I do have a poster of him on my bedroom wall. You do? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say so just purely because he hits it so long and he's got such a good short game, whereas I see some holes in these, these other guys' games. But for me, I think that someone like Hatton's got a little bit a little bit more flair than if it's patching. I think that might stand him in decent stead. And I think the fact that he's performed so well at the Open and in America shows how versatile his game is. But back to Fleetwood for a second. I personally believe that driving is the most important attribute in today's game, and that is why he's got a very good chance of of breaking the world's top ten, because he's so good off the tee. I don't know if you guys Um, agree with that. Sorry, just to to return for
0: another plug for this issue. The reason that you should buy this issue, the reason that you should read this feature... Uh, is because Fergus Bissett interviews uh, Nigel Edwards from yep. uh, the England, England, Gold, England, from England Golf, whos yeah. who's been captain of the Walker Cup. And he's the person that offers a fantastic insight why these guys are now able to reach the very top of the world rankings. Because people from this... The British Isles have always been been very talented golfers. We've Mm -hmm. always had talented golfers. The difference with this generation is they're capable of winning on a very big stage. You've seen it with Danny Willett. You've seen it with Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the DP World Championship. Chris Wood won the BMW Championship last year. Hatton won the Alfred Dunhill. Talented golfers from England haven't always won at the very highest level. Nigel Edwards, in this feature, tells you why. And that's a very good reason
1: why you should buy it. Yeah, and also you got you got the likes of Callum Chinquin and Jordan Smith coming through as well. So it's the next generation who are also being inspired by this current generation who were inspired by the likes of Polter Westwood Donald. So
2: interesting of course feature there was six players uh, on the opening spread, uh, all beaten by Justin Rio. Justin Rose highest um, placed Englishman at uh, at the Masters. Mm. So I think, you know, the the in you know, Paul Casey had a good Masters as well. You know, there is yeah. there's a lot of talent. And I think it also probably asks the question why, and I know there's a lot of um, debate going on in Scotland about why Scotland aren't producing enough, you know, sort of golfers who are, you know, who are really making their mark on, you know, on tour. Come on, Scotland.
0: Um, What's going on? Yeah, home of
2: golf. Um, you know, the more people play, I think, you know, it's more of an everyman sport up in Scotland. You, know, you should have more people coming through. It's not just, you know perhaps south of the border it's a little bit more you know sort of middle class bit more elite but we know know, why that is there any kind of reason as to why what as to why they're
0: not performing at the moment scotland isn't well i've got to say
2: that there's a lot of talk about the sort of coaching system and set up in scotland is it producing really competitive golfers
0: um Craig's Craig saying no funding. No funding. Um, but yeah, Russell, Russell I mean, Knox. It's not is all what,
1: doom and gloom. Russell Knox is playing nicely. We've got the likes of Robert McIntyre coming I'll through Nick. from the amateur ranks. Um, I
2: think. Russell Knox. Uh, yeah. is, is he? I mean, is he Scottish or is he American?
1: Um, <laughs> is some horrible Jacksonville Scottish hybrid accent going on at the moment.
2: Yeah, you know, I think he's a product really of the, you know, I would say of the American system mm. rather than the homegrown system. So you know, where are the, you know, where's the next Paul Laurie
0: coming from? I'm moving on the conversation to the next feature in Golf Monthly that I'm going to show you, which is now about the evolution of the swing of Tiger Woods. And what we've done is we've taken Tiger's swing from 2000, the year that he dominated at the US Open at Pebble Beach, and his swing from the recent Dubai Desert Classic, the last tournament that he played in. And are comparing the two. And what we are not trying to do, can I just say right now, is we're not trying to produce a sort of hatchet job on Tiger and explain that he's actually his golfer's game has fallen off a cliff. What we are trying to do is explain why he's swinging the golf club differently. So the back operations that he's had, the problems that he's had with his knees, how that's affected the actual dynamics of the swing. And as you can see, if I hold up one of the some of these very close to the camera, the positions there might not look drastically different. But what this feature does, and it's one of our top 25 coaches, one of our new guys, a guy called Dougie Bell. What Dougie does really well is he explains why the difference between picture one and picture two here is crucial. And the same goes on this side of the page. So what what it showed to me, I don't know about you too. Oh, fascinating. A, a fascinating and, and also, just how tricky golf is you know Mm. there doesn't appear to be a massive amount of difference between the two positions in in certain areas but when you get into the detail
1: you can suddenly you can really start to see why he hits some of the poor shots that he's currently hitting I think what I found most interesting is that I vaguely heard commentators saying he's swinging differently because of his back ailments I, I didn't really know how that translated into the actual golf swing or what changes he had to make in his actual swing to compensate for his back and Dougie Bow explains that really well throughout
2: and and to, to me, it's all you know. The summary is in that finish position. You know, two thousand. It's that beautifully balanced, athletic finish position. And you know, this year in in Dubai, and to be honest, for the last few years, he's not left-handed. He's got you know his. I don't know. it's it felt not as balanced. It's certainly nowhere near as dynamic. You can mm. see that that's not as powerful a position as it was in two thousand. And arguably, I guess that powerful position that came through that very dynamic fast moving swing put a lot of pressure on knees and back you know that's what's you know that's what's caused yeah. the problem and that to me but does not look
1: like a fully committed no, follow-through. no it doesn't it looks does like it's it tentative sort of, looks like he's guarding against yeah. hurting his back and you, you can know, really the, see it in the still imagery that we use in this piece yeah. and
0: uh, richard's just asked is it is uh, is it also mental and actually there's a conclusion piece here from dougie where he talks about the big question facing tight woods and i, I won't give away what um, Dougie says, because that would defeat the point of us doing this. (laughs) But what I will say is, the question Dougie poses is this, can Tiger get his head around the fact that his golf swing has had to change in order to let him compete? So can he... Prevent himself from wanting to hit the big drive. Can he actually get mm-hmm. his head around the fact that he might not be one of the. Can longest, he accept most that he's going to be 80th
1: in terms of the driving distance stats yeah. and not first, where he absolutely wants to be? He wants to be his whole. Can he, can he? Can he just he kind of
0: eke his way around the golf course and get a score out of it at the end of the day? Um, obviously, we wrote this before the news of the current back surgery um, came out, so there might be another barrier to entry there for Tiger. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, do you think he's done? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Do you
2: think he'll retire?
0: No. This season? I think he'll try and come back one more time and that'll be done. Do you think Tiger Woods
1: is done? Uh, Hit like if you think he is. Um, You don't take a year off to recover, come back and injure yourself within a month. He's 41, he's going to take two years off next time. He's he's 44.
2: uh, Dagsley said age. Yeah, I mean, age, obviously, a contributory factor. I think, you know, your, your body is less able to. Um, to heal to get itself yeah. back to where it was the That's older the you thing. get. But Does he want
1: to sacrifice mobility in his later life in order to eke out two more years on tour when he's already won fourteen majors? Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. He's got he wants to play with his children when he's older. he probably yeah. want to play golf casually and he might be sacrificing all of that if he carries on attempting to try and make a comeback at the professional mm, level. Possibly. Richard's saying the brain takes over, um, this will hurt, I'm not going to let um
0: to let you do this. Yeah. Um Neil saying, probably more to do with all the young... Oh, <coughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, think Tiger... <laughs> uh, you'll have to read that comment for yourself, so I'm not going to... Um, anyway, uh, think Tiger is finished, Johnny's saying. So uh, what's interesting, there is a graph here about Tiger's ascent to the top of the world rankings and then, conversely, how quickly he dropped away at the end. Yeah. And um, it's just... Uh, it's fascinating. Anyway, it is. It shall is. we...
2: Um, yeah, I'm going to... Um, give you my second pick from the issue and it's a feature about hidden gems now it's an often used phrase um sometimes i always think, oh god you know could we not come up with a different uh different you know word or phrase for you know hidden gems something that describes the hidden gem and actually uh we thought long and hard about it and um so what I did we say T- tucked away treasures yeah just doesn't quite <laughs> <trip or> roll <laughs> off, <laughs> off the tongue, off the tongue. Yeah. But, but certainly this is uh, really interesting feature put together by Jez Elwood and Rob Smith, who are two of our um, golf course perverts. Really is the only way to describe them. <laughs> Rob has played his 951st golf course yesterday, so he's closing in on a thousand courses played. Jez is up. He's played up, all of our top 100. Yeah, as has Jez Elwood. But they've also, crucially, they played a lot of courses away from the top 100. So a lot of really affordable courses. You know, when they've gone in, they have picked five of their favourites, and you know, you've got green fees starting at 20 quid, um, which is, you know, there is value out there. there are some fantastic courses. Of course, if you go and play courses and host of the Open Championship or the Ryder Cup or, you know, those famous courses in the Surrey Sandbelt, you you know, you'll pay a handsome fee for it. But this is, you know, we really want to celebrate the fact that there are, um, you know, a whole host of courses up and down the country um, that, you know, are just you know, are waiting to be discovered. So I really hope this feature, and we're going to be doing a follow-up series as well in the magazine, um, you know, page every every issue, picking out some hidden gems that we really think are worthy of your attention. So it's really trying
0: to... How s- much would you pay? What would be the top bracket that you'd pay for for a round of golf? If you were to play a very, very good golf course, what would
1: be the yeah. most that you'd be willing to,
0: to let
1: go? Hmm... I would probably cap it at a hundred pounds. I would say Augusta. Okay, basically Augusta doesn't come into. Let's in take Augusta here. off the table. Augusta's completely off the table. I'd pay any amount of money to play Augusta National, but I think the enjoyment you can get playing courses in yeah. the fifty to a hundred pound range would oh, lead look, me I mean, to not you spend know, more. The very
2: few of these are over forty quid. Yeah. You know, I mean, even you know, weekend rates. A lot of these courses are you know are fifty pounds if that Absolutely. so you know there is there's value out there for sure
1: oh there's yeah, huge value out there what about you
0: So, I, I, well I'd say I think a £100 mark is not, not bad I mean for an exceptional golf course I'd be yeah. willing to push it a little bit more yeah. but and for, I think, for yeah, a very good golf course yeah. £100 but you, then for, not, for a kind of a classic yeah. English members golf club I'd say around about the forty or fifty quid mark, you know, would be fair. Yep, I'd be expecting to play somewhere pretty good for forty or fifty quid. But but the
2: thing we have got a lot of great courses. Yeah, and that that this feature just
0: illustrates that. It, It shows you just the quality of golf yep. courses that you can play, even for 25 pounds. Yep. There's some in here that I'm looking at right now, they're on the sea, they're beautiful views, oh, yep. they're only 25 quid to play. There really is no excuse not to go and sort of um, broaden your kind of golfing horizons, get out there and play some different places.
2: Oh, a shout out there for Rygate Heath, I really like Rygate Heath, yeah, it's a nine hole course. Um, yep, yeah, as Paul. Paul says, with you know different teeing grounds, so when you go around for the second time, you tee off from, it often makes it a very, very different hole, just changing the mm. angle of the of the driver. Yeah, Rygate Heath is a you know is a great course. Yeah, definitely a, a hidden gem. I think when we did a hundred hidden gems, we featured them.
0: Um, Johnny's saying check in, uh, check out Epping. Yeah, Epping Golf Club in Essex. Heywood Heath. Yeah, I yeah. Epping,
2: yeah. Yeah. The only problem with Heywood Heath is you're likely to encounter Golf Monthly photographer Kevin Murray there with a large glass of Pinot. Grigio, the uh,
0: grandfather of the golf monthly. But team. if you can, you know, if you can accept that, um, then yeah. <laughs> um, Paul saying uh, probably Beth that Mike doesn't remind us how much he paid for Pebble Beach. Nick, Nick Nixon saying, uh, speaking of affordable golf, uh, where are the best affordable memberships for golfers keen to play competitions, have a handicap, and otherwise be an active club member, yeah. uh, but who need to get value from uh, a lifestyle that only gives them one or two rounds per month. Uh, best model he's seen for this is Mid Hearts. Uh, one of Golf Monthly's top 25 coaches, Barney Puttick, is the um, is the head pro at Mid Hearts. Yep. I think when it comes to club membership, um, I think clubs have got to be really flexible because people do play different amounts. I mean, yeah. how, many, how many rounds of golf do you think you play a week? Let's get a sort mm. of straw poll. I think in the Golf Monthly office everyone's an active golfer but people probably don't get to play more than once a week so then you start doing the maths don't you and I know there's more to a club
1: membership than just how many times you get to play. Yeah it's an interesting discussion though because we've had letters in recently about from members who think it's slightly unfair that people who are non-members are getting preferable rates to them and they're only able to play once or twice a week it's actually cheaper for them to not be a member and take advantage of some of the rates that their own course is offering so that's a really tricky balance to find I think with the
2: and I think then it, it, at that point you have to put a value, you know, you have to put a notional value on what, you know, what are you paying of your annual sub? What of that is to be a member of the club, yeah. and what is to play at the club? And I think, you know, depending on that, things, you know, if, if you're not getting a lot out of being a club member other than just the ability to go and pay play without paying, yeah, you should probably flip it round mm. and go and pay every time you play because the maths, I promise you, as soon as you start doing the figures, the maths don't work if you don't apply, I think, a good portion of your membership or, you know, a reasonable portion of your membership fee to the privilege of being a member of the club.
1: Do you finish your round and then go straight off the 18th into your car? If you do, there's possibly grounds for reassessment there. Richard plays three times a week. Lucky you. (laughs) Good work. Well done, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Mandy's saying, if you ever come to Edinburgh, check out the Braid Hills. Yeah. Uh, Great views Amazing views. Absolutely amazing. Have you played it? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: Greg's saying, yeah, but don't have a handicap. Uh, Richard, it's relative to your joy of the club and the game Mm. and what else you might spend that money on exactly. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the, the good thing to say is whether you're a club golfer or you're not a club golfer, Um, Golf Monthly, as is one of our sort of big things, is to try and give people inspiration for where to go and spend their money. Whatever money you're looking to spend on golf, whether it's on equipment, whether it's on um, lessons, whether it's on golf courses, um, you should be able to be inspired to part your cash wisely if you pick up a copy of Golf Monthly. Uh, Just a few more comments. Actually, might just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, the this is the June issue of Golf Monthly. Yeah, it is currently on the shelves now. And it, and it looks and like and that. You
2: also, there's a short game supplement that we produced in association with King.
0: wedge tips and putting tips. Um, it's been produced with the help of Mr. Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, I went out to Dubai to catch up with Tyrrell to get some content for this. Also, Another shout out back to Barney Puttick as he also provides some of the um, instruction in here. So if you are looking to get yourself match ready for the summer, get yourself looking really sharp around the greens, then the supplement has everything in it you'll need and then the issue should have um, some more entertaining stuff, some more instruction, more equipment and, as we said, the courses that you might want and be interested in playing in 2017. Gentlemen, anybody else got anything to offer?
2: No. Let's get back to downstairs producing the next issue. Absolutely,
0: indeed.
1: I think you'll really enjoy it if you go and pick it up. There's so many great features in there, so just go head down to your local shop, spend the fiver, and you'll have hours of enjoyment. Uh, Just one final thing. Greg's saying, where does Hideki play?
0: Greg, (laughs) I'm surprised you don't know. Surely you know the answer to that. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time.